Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Today I'm talking about Amy Bird, but specifically she had been called out for drifting from the center line of orthodoxy in the faith, and she wrote an essay mulling over whether she's moving and rejected the idea. I'm looking at her essay and parsing through it with discernment, asking ladies to think when they read such apologetics from the false teachers. Now, Amy Bird is a woman that had been in spiritual decline for a few years. I mean, at least public evidence of a decline has been observed for a few years. Her inward decline was probably a lot longer. In 2020, she wrote a book called Recovering from Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, How the Church Needs to Rediscover Her Purpose. It was a huge red flag. A reviewer said of her book, quote, there are significant problems with Bird's interpretation of the important passages about biblical manhood and womanhood, passages she does not even address in the book. Worse, the entire thrust of Bird's book is in the direction of feminism, end quote. A month after her book was published in 2020, her longtime broadcast podcast partner, Reformation 21, announced they had dropped her from the podcast. Now, the negative reviews of her book, the pleas from many to return to Orthodox Christianity and stop her drift, Reformation 21 said, we do not always expect to agree with podcast partners' views even after their explanation, but when they can't or won't provide clarification, we must part ways. All those, the reviews, the pleas, and the refusal to clarify, are significant markers for a person who's been called drifting to take stock. Amy Bird did not. She doubled down, as most false teachers do. And as most false teachers, when they're doubling down, use the internet to continue to propagate their version of false teaching. And they make apologetics, either through tweet threads or essays or blogs, defending their views. I've noticed in the past few weeks, some leading, quote, Christian unquote, teachers, when they're called out for a public sin, write coy and charming posts or make videos that end up refuting what is obvious to many discerning people. But in many cases, their followers believe the smooth speech. Now, reminded of Romans 16, 18, For such people are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. And that's what the point of this essay and podcast is today, looking at one such example of the smooth and 
flattering speech they use to deceive. I'll get to it in just a second. Beth Moore wrote one of these recently on Twitter. She did not fool the discerning, but Beth's excuse essay did fool her followers. And also last month, as mentioned, Amy Bird wrote her own excuses essay. One thing that Amy has been doing is preaching sermons to women and men. This is error, according to 1 Timothy 2.12, well, 1 Timothy 2.11-14, and 1 Corinthians 14.34. Now, I wrote about Amy before in an essay titled, Markers on the Way Station of Downgrade, Exhibit A, Amy Bird. That's why I titled this one today, Exhibit B, Amy Bird. And today I'll do the same with Amy as I did with Beth previously. I'll post pertinent pertinent excerpts from her excuses essay and refute those point by point. Amy is well aware of her decline because people have told her about it. And because Amy thought about it and wrote about it, But if there had been an appropriate introspection or a glimmer of hope, of repentance, she appears to have rejected it. Her essay tragically is titled, Am I Moving Further from the Truth? But she refutes that premise. She says no. So here is Amy Bird from her essay, Am I Moving Further from the Truth? And... In the blog, her essay, her words are in italics, and my translation of her excuses is in regular print. Amy said, Despite the accusations, I didn't have an ambition to preach. I just wanted to have some conversations with the preacher because I was so moved by the gospel and what that meant for reality and life. And I say, Translated, Amy's saying, I preach because I love the Lord so much, so it's okay. Amy wrote, I wanted in where it mattered. My translation of what she's saying is, preaching is where it's at. Never mind the Lord gave women a variety of roles and ministries. They don't matter. Preaching does. She wrote, And this is so simpering. Into the beautiful, into the magic of it all. Oh, the questions I had. Who else shared in these inquiries? And this draw into the invitation. I didn't see myself as a leader, but merely a responder. So my translation of that sentence is, it was an accident. It simply happened. I'm only accidentally preaching. Amy wrote, but in responding over and over again, and in asking those inquiries, oh, the curiosity and wonder, I found myself an oddity. My translation of that sentence is, false teachers should not be surprised when people object to rebellious women who get busy usurping men. Rebellion does create a negative response. Amy wrote, the gospel response seemed to be different for women 
Every time I thought myself to be penetrating into the conversation, I learned I was but a prop. My translation of that sentence is, she felt like a prop because she was inserting herself into realms the Lord did not set aside for her. If she had used the gifts the Spirit actually gave her, or worked in ministries that women are supposed to, she would have flourished. Amy wrote, I am way outside my comfort zone now. I know that accepting these invitations, she means to preach, also invites the vitriol, the I told you so's, with the ever so indulging explanations of how evil I am, or the more subtle suggestions of moral decline. Who can bear this public shaming and the distancing and betrayal of precious friends even? How humiliating. It is way easier to say no. Well, here Amy claims she will persevere in her sin, kicking against the goads, because she wants to be where the magic is. For people such as this, fulfilling personal desire is all that matters. Submission to the Lord's desires seems not to occur to them. Submission is actually a foreign word to them, even a nasty word. Public or private calls to repentance have no effect on women such as that. Her forehead is as flint. She does not even know how to blush. She'll continue preaching and worse. She will co-opt the Lord into her sin, claiming he started it. She wrote finally, each time it messes with my sense of self, being hated and shamed and encouraged and loved at the same time in the church? Well, I say shaming is part of church discipline, and shame is actually a lost emotion. Shame is also part of the Christian life. We are ashamed of our sin. We are ashamed when we do not honor the Lord. You know, in 1 Corinthians 14.35, we read that it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. The word is defined not only shameful in the Greek, but it means sordid, sordid as in almost pornographic, base, dishonorable. The Lord considers a woman speaking in church, usurping men, is so dishonorable, it's actually sordid. Now, I linked to her essay, and it's really quite tragic to see a heart hardened to sin in real time. To actually see a woman go away from the flock, kicking at goads as she drifts. The cliff is just ahead, and she does not heed calls to avoid it. I find this tragic. And I also understand, though, that God receives glory even in these situations. What I find interesting in the here and now is that these women, usurping, usurping women, have embedded themselves into platforms where they can write and video and publish simpering blog essays 
coyly excusing their sin. The blogosphere has been both a blessing and a curse. It allows for the propagation of the beauties of Christ, but it also allows for Satan to use it to his own advantage in propagating evil, falsity, flattery. I linked to an essay on the blog that shows how evil flattery really is. Sadly, many people take these women's apologetics and excuses at face value and accepting it without thinking through what these women rebels are actually saying. Jesus holds sin in the greatest disdain. He hates it. God is morally perfect. Psalm 5.5 in the King James Version says, The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. NASB says, The boastful will not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do injustice. You notice in that um, verse, in that translation, God hates not just the sin, but the people who perform the sin. We have forgotten how much God hates sin. He won't stand for it. The frog has been slowly heating water in the U.S. for so long that when you call out sin like false teaching, people won't listen. They commonly reply, oh, what about the poor teacher you're attacking? Well, I say, what about Jesus that the false teacher is attacking? There, there is a head of the church, a high priest, ministering and growing his church that's filled with false doctrine and evil and tares and wrongdoers. What about him? Or what about the sheep that these women attack? I'm writing this to deliberately counter these attempts at normalizing sin. It's becoming a constant that women preach and teach and insert themselves into roles God did not ordain. And the more it is unremarked or uncorrected or unresolved, the more that the unwary will see it as normal. My request to you is, when you read about a female leader who has been called out because of a problem with her lifestyle or her doctrine, and then if that leader writes an essay addressing the issue, think, make sure it's not coy flattery. Think and decide if the woman is really addressing the issue or if she is using her platform to cover the issue. Now, we saw this in male form with Rick Warren's speech at the Southern Baptist Convention. He said his remarks were a love letter to the convention, but it was really a sinful rationalization for his sin of ordaining women. It's a diversion tactic. Kathy Keller, Tim Keller's wife, also did the same thing a few years ago. She wrote an essay claiming to share lessons from 30 years in ministry. 
but in my view, it was simply a corrupt attempt to absolve herself of her ministry sins, diversion tactic. And it's the same with Beth Moore's tweet thread and Amy Bird's essay. They're all diversion tactics. These false teachers say, squirrel, and point over there, and their followers look over there, and then they're bewitched. Don't fall for it. Be discerning and think. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.